0: Hey everyone this is victoria spencer welcoming you to another episode of cases for freedom thank you for subscribing to our podcast and a special thanks to all of our club constitution members your support and involvement is truly changing the world enjoy this week's episode welcome to another episode of cases for freedom i am your host trevor spencer and as always, I am very grateful for your uh, listening on our podcast and to our uh, Club Constitution members. Uh, we could not do this without your support. Uh, your listening means a lot to us, um, and your uh, subscribing and becoming a member of Club Constitution at uh, clubconstitution.com uh, means, uh, means the world to us as well. Uh, feel free to share these episodes, uh, the audio version, uh, the video version, if you have access to it on our website um, and get the word out with your friends and families. Um, you know, this information, we do a lot of research, my, my little team here, uh, we do a lot of research to, to get this content to you and get it out. Um, and you know, it, we really rely on people, uh, our listeners and our, our members to, uh, to get the word out, uh, because uh, frankly, social media makes it really hard to promote, uh, the type of content that we do. So, uh, with that, <clears throat> Excited for the for this episode here. Let's go ahead and jump into it. So, um, today's episode, uh, we are going to be talking about COVID trace systems, uh, the Fourth Amendment. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, a little bit of kind of big tech uh, interference or, or playing here, um, and then some of the uh, some of the consequences or. Uh, or things that could be coming from this or potential agendas that are are written agendas they're all documented online um and really i'm not I'm not piecing together any sort of conspiracy theories here on this episode uh this is all just documented uh documented plans by companies uh governments uh you know different individuals and players um, and then different conglomerates as well so Hopefully, you find this information uh, you know pretty pretty eye opening. Um, you know, and uh, you know as we go through it, there is some stuff in here that can feel a little a little spooky. As always, <clears throat> you know, um, you know when you kind of understand some of these things from certain angles. So, um, you know, just make sure to uh, to not be discouraged uh, listening to this. You know, spreading awareness is is pretty critical here um, because there is definitely uh, definitely something. Uh, you know, an agenda being pushed uh, with a lot of the COVID uh, things going on. So with that, let's get more specific um, and, and turn to our actual uh, content here on the screen. So big, big exciting news here in, in America in December. Uh, the U.S. has started rolling out the COVID-19 vaccines. Um so, you know, it's been going on for a couple of weeks now. I think the first one was probably two weeks ago at this point. Um, and, you know, this is exciting news for a lot of people. Um, it's, you know, kind of uh, skeptic news for, for certain groups out there. And, um, you know, my message here today is, is in no way a, uh, like an anti-vaxxer message or vaccine message or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm not a professional scientist or anything like that. Uh, so, you know, really I'm not, I'm not getting into the, uh, the mechanics of the vaccine too much or, or whether or not vaccines are beneficial or anything like that. I think there's plenty of videos and debates on that, uh, to where it'd be not something, it's not something that's not my point here. Um, really what I'm looking at this as is, you know, are there other means, uh, that they could use this vaccine? Um, they will become more apparent as we talk here and as I go on. Um, but the... Uh, You know, are there other means or other angles uh, that this vaccine can be used um, and analyzing and figuring out whether or not it's constitutional, uh, whether or not it's uh, pro-freedom, pro-human liberty, pro-human future, you know, pro-family, all these things. Um, And so, you know, looking at this with the new vaccine rollout, you know, I think it's important to kind of take a couple of steps back and say, you know, when did this all start, right? How did we get to this point where we're in a, you know, a, a what's declared as a pandemic or a, you know a nationwide or global emergency with this with this flu uh, virus, with the with this uh, COVID nineteen virus, and you know, looking at it from the perspective of it's now the end of December twenty twenty, uh, we are. You know, about nine, ten months uh, in these COVID protocols, COVID lockdowns. Um, you know, our economy has basically been like attacked uh, with these with these protocols for you know, you could say now. You know, it's almost coming up on a year here in March. Uh, beginning of March is when when it all started here, and so you know, just to kind of recap, let's go in and and look at this here, and so um, you know, this is WhiteHouse.gov. Um, You know, this is the memorandum on providing federal support for governors, uh, for governors use of the National Guard to respond to COVID-19. And so this is a a memorandum that was done by President Donald Trump. um, And I think it's important to kind of see, you know, what he did. He authorized uh, under a state of emergency, he declared a state of emergency, and that he authorized the states and the governors of those states to utilize the Department of Homeland Security um to respond to covid so he declared a state of emergency largely based on and i'm highlighting it here on the screen for you to see um it was <coughs> in rec- uh in recognizing the serious public health risk i meaning donald trump noted that on march 11th 2020 the world health organization announced that the covid-19 outbreak had been characterized as a pandemic. On March 13th, 2020, I declared a national emergency recognition uh, or recognizing, sorry, I have my camera in the middle there, recognizing the threat uh, that SARS-CoV-2 poses on the national healthcare care systems. So this is the president of the United States who took the advice from the WHO, the World Health Organization. And based on their recommendation, the World Health Organization's recommendation, he then authorized and gave permission to all the governors in the states. Uh, he declared a national emergency himself and then authorized the the governors to also do the same and to utilize the Department of Homeland Security uh, to respond back to COVID. So, you know, Donald Trump got his information from a world health organization or from the world health organization. um, And that's the information that he used to create the state of emergency here, or to declare the state of emergency and to authorize the States to uh, create these lockdowns. So the, this is the proclamation that he uh, refers to. This is the March 13th one um, that you can go in and read as well. Just authorizing Again, Department of Homeland Security and the state governors to be able to uh, respond to COVID. Um, so you know, in you know, it's it's not really a political thing. It's more of just kind of how this happened, right? How what it was the chain of command? Um, and so, really, this all started with the WHO, right? The World Health Organization is who who? It's a uh, you know, it'll get annoying if it already hasn't, but the WHO was were, was the group that created uh, this, they created the, you know, the categorization of an emergency here. And so the, who was the people, they were the ones making at that time, just projections. Um, these were, these were based on projections. These weren't, uh, you know, the rates weren't there yet. Um, you know, it wasn't like you had millions of people dying when they, back in March last year. Um, that, that wasn't the case. And, you know, before I even go on, I just want to say that, you know, there's, I have family members that have gotten COVID, you know, we have, you know, people, I know people have died from it, I want to be sensitive of that, it is a real virus, um, you know, I don't want to be, uh, you know, insensitive to that, so nothing of what I'm saying here is saying, you know, I that if, if you've been affected by this, or if it's been tragedy in your in your life, or your family's life, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to belittle that, um, you know, oftentimes, unfortunately, there are, Uh, you know, consequences or, um, or real, there's real collateral like death and, and, you know, uh, disaster for people when these, uh, when the government will seize on opportunities or even uh, non-government entities with the government or, you know, even separately will seize on opportunities to push agendas. So, um, you know, please don't take anything I'm saying as, you know, if you've been affected by COVID, it's, that's obviously a very real experience. And, you know, like I said, I've had, family members that have gotten it and had, you know, severe health consequences. And I know people who have had family members die from it. Um, and so there, there is a real tragedy here. This is not, um, this is not to discredit any of that. It's just to look at and understand, you know, what is, what, how did this all happen? Where did we, how did we get here? And then, you know, who is behind the scenes pushing, pushing this information, um, you know, behind the scenes, meaning who, who at the, who, was, you know are are the people that are really focused on this right that are really trying to push this vaccine uh, or this COVID emergency and then now also the vaccine agenda. So clicking over here to uh, the next next exhibit here, you know this is the World Health Organization, uh, you know the the WHO international. Um, if you go to their about us section and you want to look at their donors. Right. So you want to understand uh, who has a lot of influence um, at the who. Right. The, it's a World Health Organization. It runs. It has money. Um, and so, you know, obviously money is influence. So if we look at it, um, you know, down here on the right, you'll see the United States, the United Nations, the Republic of Korea, Australia. And then you have the Gates Foundation that is not a Government or you know government agency or anything like that is a you know it's a private organization, a charity. You have the Gavi Alliance, which is uh, another notable one that you will want to hang on to for the end of the show uh, or toward the end of the show. And then also you have uh, you know uh, the a a handful of other states uh, or sorry a handful of other countries: um, United Kingdoms, New Zealand. Then you also have Bloomberg, uh, so, you know, another, you know, pretty well-known uh, household name that has a significant amount of, <coughs> uh, you know, they they are a top contributor, right? They make, they contribute more than, you know, the European Commission. Uh, the Gates Foundation contributes more than certain countries. So these people have a lot of influence at the WHO. And so, you know, looking at it from that perspective and saying, okay, this is, you know, it was like within a couple days, you know, Bill Gates got on TV and talked about how, you know, you will not be able to return back to normal until the entire world is vaccinated or largely vaccinated, is I think how he put it. At These different efforts, we've never created a new vaccine in less than five years. So this is urgent and it's going to require incredible collaboration. It's going to have to go to seven billion people. So I am optimistic that one of the vaccine efforts will give us vaccines in the next 18 months. You know, so that's kind of an interesting statement when you have Bill Gates also being someone who has a substantial amount of influence, uh, you know, at the World Health Organization. So, you know, it's it's kind of important to just kind of look at these things and understand that, you know, if they wanted to have if they wanted to push a certain agenda or go a certain direction, they, they definitely would have the ability or the impact or the influence to be able to try to persuade that. Cause it's, they have the, they have the capital influence here. Um, and so, you know, I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just saying, you know, it's to me, that looks like a conflict of interest. I don't know how else to put it that now you could say, Oh, he's just philanthropic and all these things. And, you know, you know, there's that case. So, you know, I think maybe it's important to kind of, to read on and, and all of this is just a, to kind of point out that there is an agenda being pushed here, um, and that agenda does change. Uh, in my opinion, it will change the future state of how we live in the United States if we allow this agenda to be pushed. Um, and so, you know, spreading awareness to these agendas. Um, you know, it's important to just kind of say that awareness within itself has power, um, and and being you know aware that there are people that might want to change the status quo of how you live your life. And it might go against, um, you know, it might go against kind of the Constitution or the Bill of Rights and your your right to privacy, um, to unreasonable search and warrant or without a warrant. You know, it's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things on the table here that, you know, nobody seems to really be pointing out at at least the World Health Organization level, right? They're at their level. They're not really looking at it and saying, you know, hey, is it ethical to, you know to want to track and trace all this data all this information um you know and have this level of control um that you know as i continue on here you'll see uh, you know they are they are building and have largely already built um so yeah with that let's let's just keep cruising here um you know i think it's important to always to always come back to this right if you if you look back and you see the projections that were made uh in you know, March last year, or this year, uh, beginning of 2020, you know, it's important to remember that these hospitals, uh, this is USA Today, Uh, it's not, you know, a conspiracy theory website, this is their fact check uh, page, says fact check, hospitals get paid more if patients listed uh, as COVID-19 on ventilators, right, and they they wanted to fact check this, so I'll just kind of skip down here and show you uh, where they came to their conclusion, uh, just at a high level, you can come find the article, uh, on our website. We'll have it posted under this uh, episode here. But if you go to, uh, the bottom here, it says, you know, they ruled that this was true. This is USA Today saying that that is true. So obviously, you know, Hey, look, that might just be to cover additional cost, right? That's, that's there. But again, we, if we look at it objectively, we'd say they have an incentive, hospitals are incentivized to, uh, to kind of record things as a COVID death, um, it, it, you know, or a COVID pay, you know, whether it's death or, or case, you know, they have a strong, uh, they have a strong incentive. And especially before they were doing COVID tests that, you know, the antibody test came out, you know, they had a real strong incentive to, to label these things as COVID, even before they were doing tests on certain things, if you had certain symptoms, uh, you know they would, they would market COVID, um, and there's a lot of symptoms that kind of, you know, that are similar with other things that aren't COVID. So, you know, that's that's important to to consider there. Um, and then also, it's also important looking at this when, uh, and I'll jump over here. So, it's important to understand how they categorize the death rate. Um, these are facts that have been over and over repeated in the public square, right. In, in like, in like your face on TV, on the news, on reputable news sites, you know, and press briefings from the white house. But, you know, we, we sometimes think like, oh, that can't mean what we think it means, but you know, this is, uh, so, you know, rather than me describe it to you here, this is, this is Dr. Burks. Um, she's <laughs> a, uh, coronavirus response coordinator at the White House, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with her. Um, I think she actually just retired um, because she got roasted over Christmas for, I guess she didn't like how people talked about her family or something like that with uh, her Christmas plans. Um, but this is this is her way of categorizing. Um, this video was from, so it was like, re, you know, within the last six months or so, or even maybe beginning of the year, but this was Uh, when they started talking about the death rate, people were asking questions. And so the death rates you see on the news, uh, this is how they categorize those death rates. And I'll just play the video here. There are other countries that if you had a pre-existing condition, and let's say the virus called you to go to the ICU and then have a heart or kidney problem, some countries are recording that as a heart issue or a kidney issue, and not a COVID nineteen death. Um, right now, we're still recording it, and we'll. I mean, the great thing about having forms that come in and a form that has the ability to mark it as COVID nineteen infection. The intent is right now that those, if someone dies with COVID nineteen, we are counting that. So, if someone dies with COVID nineteen. We are counting that as a COVID death. So again, I'm not I'm not trying to harp on this too much um, or or discredit again discredit the the reality that there there is a, a real virus and it, it does impact people's lives. It has unfortunately taken people's lives. Um, but it's it's important to understand the mechanics of these of the of the statistics that they put out, the C D C um, all of these things. And, you know, that's the, you know, that's an official from the White House, you know, coronavirus coordinator or task force that is saying that the COVID death rate is death with COVID. Meaning if you go into the hospital and you have a pre-existing condition that, you know, and COVID maybe impacts that or whatever it may be, you know, it, they're counting that as a COVID death. If you tested positive for COVID and you bled out because you were in a, a, a car accident, that's going into their statistics as a COVID death. And so that's the, that's how these people are, are largely categorizing these things based on just the system and how they're, how they're taught to do it and how they have to comply with, with these systems that kind of roll this stuff out, um, you know, from these, from these protocols. And so, that's a uh, that's an important thing to to remember when we're looking at uh, how these uh, you know how they're using this this COVID emergency how they're using it to you know basically push new protocols um, many of which you know if you're asking me I don't think they're temporary um, you know there's a lot of people who just think oh you know, this will all go away eventually. And, you know, if you look at kind of how things went after nine eleven, 11 none of those protocols went away. When we talked about, you know, nine eleven protocols and the Patriot Act and all this stuff, it was never designed by, you know, by their standards and their own words, it was never designed that the Patriot Act would even stick around after nine eleven. They thought that it'd be a short-term temporary surveillance program. And it's still a program, right? And there's, Uh, You know, it's a big program and it's it's definitely a violation to your constitutional rights and your privacy. And so, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, are are these protocols that they're that they're putting in place and already have put in place and these systems that they're building that I'll continue on and show you more about, you know, are these systems actually are these systems actually uh, are they designed to help or are they? And I hate to say it, but are people taking advantage of a real a real situation with this virus, um, which you know, if my understanding is, a man made virus from China that they released on the public. So, you know, that alone is kind of a sketchy situation when you are looking at an international uh, community like the UN pushing all these protocols, you know, and, and having a country that's part of that say, "Hey, let's go ahead and throw you know a virus into the mix." It's <clears throat> it's kind of a uh, there's some there's some bioweapon terrorism, you know, stuff that can definitely be looked at in this and say that that's 100% what we're dealing with. And so, if someone takes advantage of that and they use it as a way to push, you know, <clears throat> push greater uh, greater surveillance, less privacy, you know, more data collection from the government, um, all these things, even if it's done in the name of safety, we got to be careful, and we got to pay attention to what they're actually doing, and make sure that we're not just, you know, being blind uh, to uh, to just giving up more and more of our rights, and a lot of people don't even really know that it's happening in the background. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to end this video here or end this episode here. This is episode uh, seven. It is uh, part one of this uh, this educational series here um, on these COVID trace systems. Go ahead and watch part two in episode eight. Uh, they'll be released uh, right next to each other or shortly after. Uh, so that way you can watch them and uh, keep it pretty short here so you can click through. So see you, in the, uh, see you at the uh, beginning of part two. Thanks. Hi, all This is Victoria Spencer. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and parlor at Cases for Freedom. And remember, the restoration of the Constitution starts with you. See you next week.